Welcome once again, Bears fans, to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. I'm Chris. Chris is our special guru guest for the NFL Draft this episode. Welcome, Chris. Welcome. Uh, like I told you before, I prefer draft nerd than guru. Oh, yeah. Probably a little more. Um, right. Yeah. We'll get you one of those little patches that looks like STP instead of say nerd. <laughs> So, uh, uh, we're uh, excited to, uh, obviously, the draft is coming up really quick, uh, so we decided to do a little bit longer episode this week, uh, so we could go over some of the bigger questions. Uh, Jim, what you got? Yeah, uh, first of all, before we get into the draft content, follow us on Twitter, at Bears underscore scat. Um, Feel free to shoot us some questions or comments. We Always love to address those on the cast. Um, but as Tom kind of introduced, this is what we were calling draft month the last time we recorded. And Chris is our first guest to explain to us uh, and teach us some things about this this upcoming draft class. So, Chris, happy to have you back on. Um, maybe the first, first question I wanted to talk about was just more of a laying of the land and just kind of trying to get your sense of how this quarterback class is going to shake out, uh, especially when we consider the the top four guys that everybody thinks are going to go pretty early on in the draft. So that's C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis. I think a lot of people think that all four of them are going to be drafted before the Bears draft at number nine. Uh, is that kind of how you're reading the current quarterback situation, or has there been any movement there? Because obviously we don't expect the Bears to draft a quarterback, but the number of quarterbacks drafted ahead of the Bears will help determine how many good non-quarterbacks make it to them. So just what, what's your current thinking on the quarterback front? I, I You know, if I was going to bet, I would say three for sure, and I feel pretty confident about the fourth. Now, uh, you know, who the fourth is, I what I'm hearing now is it sounds like that's probably going to be Levis as the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the pro day was not as good as the others from what you hear. And I know that uh, during the combine, there were some things like he didn't throw at the combine, which kind of is one of those red flags for general managers and, and, and people like that, that there's a certain things where you know the agent probably tells them to do this but you hear a lot from uh general managers and scouts that when guys don't want to work out don't do certain things they it kind of hurts their stock so you know it sounds like it's still kind of a coin flip between the order you know of uh young and stroud you know which one goes one which one goes two pretty much then it sounds like Richardson's going to be the third, and that's probably the Colts. And then, you know, you have, do the Seahawks and Lions want to just roll the dice, get a developmental guy, because they're probably not going to be picking that high again. Those picks are kind of gifts from other teams that they traded with. And so, you know, they whether they're really happy with uh, Goff and um, Smith. Smith, yeah. Whether they're like happy with them long-term or not, I think they proved they can be pretty uh, good 
19 and give them uh, a guy that they want, you know, developmentally to sit on the bench for a year or two, because neither one of their contracts are um, long in the case of Goff. And Smith's is pretty much written in a way that it could be one year out pretty easily. And they both kind of came out of nowhere last year. Smith more than Goff. Goff at least had a bit more of a, a track record of at least having the ability to be decent, even though he didn't always play that way when he was with the Rams. But I don't know if either of those teams really see Goff or Smith as their long-term building block. So like you said, it's an interesting question because the NFC is pretty wide open. So if you have a playoff team, which which both the Seahawks and the Lions did make the playoffs last year, do you want to try to enhance your roster somewhere else and maybe – make a run at a weak NFC title or like you said, do you go with the longer term plan and draft one of these more developmental quarterbacks and have them sit for a year or two? So that's an interesting question. And I'm not really sure what either of those teams is going to do right now. Yeah. And, 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 and the outside thing, it could be the Raiders too, because they, the Garoppolo deal is, is kind of the same as the, you know, Geno Smith in that it, it's not one that's going to, hamstring them or prevent them from looking long-term either. But I think the Raiders have a lot more holes <laughs> than those two teams. Well, and McDaniels needs something is the other yeah. thing. I mean, he's he's on the hot seat already, so he needs something to move that arrow in the other direction, and maybe he thinks drafting a young quarterback is the way to do that. Yeah, just uh, if, not, if nothing else, just for hype, uh, you know, so that we, you know, just like us, uh you need that that hope, right? And I think that's one of the things that most Bears fans will agree on is that number one, he brings some hope to the table. Yeah, I think that's right. And obviously, it, it's important to it, it, as a Bears fan, you would like more quarterbacks to go in the top eight because then more good players fall down the board. And I don't think if you looked at just best player available rankings, you would put either Richardson or Levis in the top eight prospects, just putting position aside. But we just know what happens to quarterbacks every year. And teams a lot of times do silly things at that position. And, you know, all you have to do is look back at the Justin Fields draft when for five years everybody said the top two quarterbacks in 2021 are going to be Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And then... Here comes Zach Wilson and Trey Lance kind of at the 11th hour and go ask the Jets yep. or the 49ers whether or not they're happy that they made that evaluation. <laughs> so it's well, just one of those things where teams get stupid. There's a uh, Richardson thing gets you. Because that, that just seems like the, oh my gosh, this guy tested out of the roof, but there's no track record. Right. Yeah. No, no production really at all, right? His college numbers correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think his college numbers are even really that good. It's just he's a, kind of a freak athlete, and he, he seems to have the intangibles that you like. But, yeah, I mean, there's yeah. been basically no production at all. The um, the dark horse, uh, the way I hear it, is Hendon Hooker uh, out of Tennessee. I've heard, I've seen buzz that there's possible that he could actually leapfrog Levis. Um, people really like how he played last year. And he would definitely be farther up the draft board if he wasn't hurt. So, uh, I mean, 
you got to remember, he, he balled out versus Alabama. Uh, so uh, people aren't going to soon forget that. And, you know, he, he's, he's got all the intangibles that you look for. What, uh, yeah, that Tennessee game against Alabama, I think, really kind of got a couple people into the, the spotlight for the draft. Got the right. Up on the board than they were going to originally be, probably. Yeah, that um, receiver, too, uh, for Tennessee. I forget what that kid's name is, but... Um, Jalen Hyatt? Yes, yeah. His numbers are, are pretty solid, and he's, you know, good size, good speed. And there's the other wide receiver there too. I want to say oh, it's um, the uh, other one because the Hyatt kind of came in after he got hurt uh, a little bit. Hyatt stepped up after he got hurt. I want to say like Dixon or I don't can't remember for sure. Right offhand, it's gonna. No, I was saying like all the day I was talking before. Like, <laughs> well, okay, so I got so I got a question for both of you. So you got you got a hundred bucks in your hand. You're in Vegas. You need to put money on one of the quarterbacks to go number one. Jim, who are you putting your money on? I think Stroud. I, I just think teams are going to get scared off of Young because he's smaller. Chris? Same, same. I, I, I think, it, I mean, Young's shown a lot, but, you know, his size is, you know, maybe not completely unprecedented, but it's pretty close. I mean, he you know, he is lighter than... Russell Wilson, you know, a little bit shorter. I mean, just all those things that it's just, wow. And I think Stroud really helped himself that, you know, last game of the year with showing that he, you know, does have athleticism to run, just that he never really used it at Ohio State. Kind of like another quarterback we know. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that uh, even though to me, I agree with both of you that he seems to make more sense. I think that Young is going to be number one, and I, I think that Carolina uh, is uh, is you know playing coy like they you know like they should. But I think the success level uh, at Alabama is is going to be too heavy of a draw. Not to mention that nobody is doubting this kid's uh, throwing ability and accuracy levels. Uh, I think they are going to look at that and say, you know what, we can. Uh, we can bring him in and get him a little toughened up and see what happens. And I think that uh, Tua's success is going to help um, boost him. Well, but Tua, you have the, the injury concern. I, I think that if you went back a year ago and asked the same question, I think most people would say Bryce Young, no questions asked. No questions asked. But I think with Tua just getting thrown around last year and the multiple concussions, I'm wondering if teams are going to be a little bit more reluctant to take a quarterback that's that's even smaller than Tua, just because we, we saw what happened uh, this last year with him, and it kind of derailed Miami's entire season because they couldn't keep their quarterback on the field. And, and that could happen. Um, you know, Stroud has that 6'3 height and a good build, and he... And it's not just that he has the physical traits. He also has the success at Ohio State. I just, I, I believe that that little bit more success, really high level. Uh, and again, that accuracy is what's going to give him the plus one. Yeah, I, I don't 
I don't really think you can go wrong with either assuming health, right? Okay. I mean, and that's that's going to be a gamble no matter what size the quarterback is. NFL players get hurt because it's a violent sport. So right. I think they're both going to be really good NFL quarterbacks. It's just a matter of how teams evaluate the, the size risk, I suppose, is the way to put that. Okay, yeah, it, so it, it seems like it's a coin flip every every time. So maybe you know, Lovey did give the Texans a gift too. <laughs> have to make the decision, right? Be <laughs> made for them. What should they do with Lovey there, uh, Jim? They got to have the statue at Arlington, <laughs> Arlington right. Heights. As, as soon as that, as soon as that stadium gets built, before the coin flip uh, of Game One, you got to unveil the Lovey statue. Out there. Lovey in bronze. Uh, all right that's enough on the quarterbacks let's let's move into some more bears discussion um right now the bears are slotted at the number nine pick number nine number nine i think if you i think if you look at the gambling sites and if you just ask most bears fans the expectation is that the bears are going to use that pick to take an offensive tackle or they're going to trade the pick and they're going to use their, their first pick in the draft to take an offensive tackle. It's it's a major hole in the roster. Right. Um, there's a, a few players that are kind of slotted right around where the Bears are going to be picking in the, the first half of the first round. Um, some of the notable ones are Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern, Paris Johnson, Ohio State, Roderick Jones from Georgia, and then... Kind of a guy that I've seen on the edges, but keeps coming up in conversations is Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Oh, oh yeah, Chris. Just curious, what do you know about those guys, and do you have a preference if the Bears go offensive tackle in round one? So, I think I would say if we, well, if we stay, let's say we stay first, which that's kind of the the, the thing, right? If we're looking. I like all all three of the left tackles. Um, Darnell Wright is is a, is a right tackle for sure. Right, you know that that's where he was highly thought of, and then they moved him over to the right side because he wasn't cutting it at left tackle, and then he was really good. I, if you watch the highlights of that that game we talked about before, Tennessee versus uh, Alabama, and he just put on a, a, a clinic of. Uh, on uh, Will Anderson, he could like Will Anderson couldn't get around him. I think Will Anderson said that he was the best tackle he played. Right, right. that's pretty. That's pretty big words. Mm-hmm. Right now, are we going to take a right tackle at nine? Probably not. So, getting into the, what we'll call the big three, um, I the real easy evaluation is Broderick Jones has the biggest, the highest ceiling. Skronsky has the highest floor. Paris Johnson seems to be kind of the mix between them. You know, the the ceiling's maybe not quite as high. The floor's maybe just a little bit lower. Yeah. Um, I like him the best. He feels the safest. He, you know, is built for it. Um, you know, there's not a lot of issues. They said the biggest issue really was how well he got engaged. And you hear now that at the, you know, pro day where he stood out, you could just hear Johnson smacking, you know, the bag so hard that is <laughs> in, in, in the stadium mm-hmm. and you know a really really good guy uh started a foundation to help uh kids who um have uh, incarcerated parents 
have birthday gifts, Christmas presents, all that type of stuff. Um, there's a story about a guy who trains uh, NFL players in Florida. Johnson's there, and he thought he was a rookie, and this was actually he had just got out of high school and started his spring semester at Ohio State and was there wanting to work out with NFL players. Wow. So, you know, he's smart, he's talented, whatever. Um, great pick. Now, Skronsky, I mean, the thing with the Skronsky, it's the arms, and it's, it's unfortunate because you watch him, and, I mean, the footwork is fantastic. His technique is great. And, and they talk about the processing, that there's things where, they will say he just looks and he just innately knows when to, you know, shift his help. Like I gotta, I gotta block down to help this and then seal the outside or vice versa that he just understand has a high IQ. Um, Jones is got, you know, all, all the things you want. The thing is that he's just a little bit, he's just a little bit raw still, you know, that, um, you know, they say day one, He's probably not the guy, you know, the best tackle in the draft, they said, but by, you know, week six, week seven, he very well could be, you know. So he just hasn't had as much experience, but I think he had just a standout season, you know, at, at left tackle for Georgia. And and there's just some some stuff that needs refining, but the, the tools are there. So I think any of them are going to be fine, but if it was me, I would probably say, you know, Paris Johnson would be the one I'd feel the most comfortable with, like, as far as staying and playing at tackle. Yeah, I, I have to agree with those. Um, uh, great job there, Chris. Uh, I think um, I've read the same thing about Skaronsky, you know, that he is just a supreme technician. Uh, and, you know, just the, it's the arm thing that, that, that's breaking him down. But, you know, at the same time, I've also read that while that could be a detriment, um, you know, there's been other guys that have been able to get over that hump and and still be successful at that at that position. I I just I like the idea of uh, all three of them. If uh, any one of those guys gets taken, I'm a happy guy. Yeah, if if, if any of them are blessed by polls is the right one, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about that. And yeah. bring up a good point with Skronsky. I mean, the guy he replaced at Northwestern what was it uh, Rashawn Slater? Yeah. I think? had small arms too, and he's been very successful. So it, yeah, it's not a, you know, I mean, we, 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 we talk about it all the time. We see guys that look the part, but they can't play the part. Right. <laughs> and, and so we've seen that with Scarns, he's played at a high level. So, you know, I, it, it's just more that if, if you think that he's going to wind up being a Pro Bowl caliber guard, maybe even a Hall of Fame guard, that's great. It's just maybe it, it's a little tougher to sell at night. Yeah, if that winds up being his spot, but then it's positional versatility too, which Paris Johnson had to. He started out at uh, right guard, I believe. So, yeah, that's correct. Uh, Jim, you? Well, it's, it's it's interesting because correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but I know Skaronsky played left tackle for several years at Northwestern. All four. All four. Okay, and mm-hmm. then Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones played left tackle for one year each, correct, at Georgia and Ohio State, respectively? Yes. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on Jones, but, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I so know Johnson. definitely about Johnson. Yeah, so it's interesting because I, I agree with what you said about you're typically not going to take a right tackle at nine, and it's 
uh, question of what do the Bears think of, of Braxton Jones, too, because they're, they're, they seem really high on him, and they might think that he's their left tackle, and maybe he's not ever going to be Orlando Pace out there. Orlando Pace on the Rams, not the Bears. Um, <laughs> but But he could still be really good. So then maybe they are setting their eyes more at right tackle, which is, I think, why Darnell Wright, the guy from Tennessee, keeps coming up, because... Everything I read about him, it seems like he projects to be a very good right tackle, maybe the best one in the draft. It's just a, a question of typically you don't want to spend a, a top 10, top 15 on somebody when you've already determined that they're going to be a right tackle. So, yeah, it's interesting. I don't, I don't think you can go wrong with any of the three that we talked about. I, I think that they're going to set their eyes on somebody that could probably play both tackle positions right and left so I don't know if that would knock any of the three off the board if they think that maybe someone could only play left but not right I I don't know so I I think that if if they do go tackle at that spot they're going to be eyeing somebody that can move around on the line and I I think that they're not going to take Skaronsky just because with polls, I, I just get the sense that he really values traits and athleticism. And I just think that Skaronsky is going to be off his board because of just the, the physical measurements, right? And right or wrong, I just get the sense that that's how polls is going to view it. So if they do go tackle there, I think it's going to be Johnson or, or Broderick Jones, um, maybe Darnell Wright. And I, I don't know that you can really go go wrong with any of those three. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I was just looking at um, Skaronsky's uh, history here, and uh, he stepped in uh, when Rashawn Slater uh, opted out of the 2020 season. And um, he's uh, his legacy, his uh, grandfather was a Packer, and... Um, he was a, honor, actually, yeah, I think he's on the, the Ring of Honor or whatever their Hall of Fame is there. Too. Right. And uh, his he, when he was in high school, coming out of high school, he was a top five center prod, uh, prospect. So that means he's pretty smart when it comes to uh, uh, reading, uh, reading defenses. So... He, he, I mean, he's going to be one of those guys that you could probably plug him into any position. But you're right, Jim. You know, when you look at just uh, the the pure physical ability and Chris. Uh, Chris, I watched some of that, uh, that pro day as well. And wow, that guy moves really fast for a huge man. So, yeah. um, you know, it... it and, you know, also, I don't think you can ignore the fact that he already played a season with our quarterback. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. I, there, there's so much. Like I said, I, 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 like, all, I like all three of them. I'm not going to be upset. And I think it's a tough thing. And I think if we trade down, you know, the, those guys might still be in place, uh, at least a couple of them. Chris, um, and if you haven't gotten this deep into it, just let me know. But let's say that Ryan Poles has decided that he wants to draft somebody to play right tackle, and maybe he's looking to do that in a later round, maybe the second or the third, which is typically where you'd look to maybe draft somebody that you have slotted at right tackle only. 
Is there anybody maybe on day two that you've got your eyes on that's a really solid tackle prospect? One that um, I, I, his name's starting to come up, and it's, he's, he, he kind of gets mentioned as, as a possible swing between guard and tackle, um, that Matthew Bergeron of Syracuse. Yeah, that was uh, the name that I saw too. Yeah, he was he was he's uh, was one of those guys that worked out great at the Senior Bowl during the practice, and you know you watched him during the game, and I think he played right tackle that whole game. He looked solid, you know. I mean, and and the Senior Bowl, the the um, HBCU Bowl, the um, Shrine game, it's it's always tough a little bit with linemen because so much of line is built on continuity. But you just look at, you know, as far as just technique and footwork. I know. Um, another day two guy uh, is uh, Paris Johnson's teammate, uh, Dwan Jones. I think his uh, nickname is uh, Big Thanos. <laughs> and, I mean, he is truly what you have imagined your um, right tackles to be. He is a monster. Um, oh my God, he is probably, huge. He would, you know, he he's probably at four hundred, and he he. Participated the first day of the Senior Bowl. Allowed people supposedly had a concussion and didn't continue. And then he didn't really do anything at Ohio State's Pro Day. So he will probably be someone who has a lot of lot of the tools, a lot of the the, the things. But I, I think that there there's some questions there about the want to that he's gonna he's probably gonna drop into the latter part of round two. Not not a hits principal guy. <laughs> six uh, foot. Uh, he's a he's a six foot three hundred and seventy four pound guy. So I'm just looking at Dane Brugler, uh, the athletic, his top one hundred. He has Dewan Jones as the fifty ninth best prospect, and Matthew Bergeron is the sixty ninth prospect. So both of them kind of right in that area that I asked about, which is you know day two and. Seems like both are, are solid tackle prospects. Absolutely. I, I mean, when it comes to uh, when it comes to nine, though, uh, you, there's a lot of names that are getting thrown around, other than you know just the three tackles. And I definitely wanted to visit some of these. Uh, in your opinion, Chris, is Jalen Carter's there? Do you want? Do you take that guy? So that's, uh, I think that's what everyone's kind of starting to debate on their message boards, uh, on their Slack, everything like that. Um, you know, I, I watched the tape, I watched him so much, and I, I mean, I've, I've been a believer, like that he was a guy that I, at one point, I, was, I didn't even know if I wanted to trade down because I wanted him. And I, I would say, if he's there and he's at nine, I think, you have to, um, you know, of course, if you, the, if you, if you feel there's no other issues and I know you guys have already talked at length and very well about, you know, the potential concerns, but you know, that, that's, that's, a, he's a force multiplier when he's playing. I was watching tape, you know, two of the, uh, Nolan Smith, the uh, defensive end for Georgia. Yeah. And it was really hard to watch the highlights and not be like, who is that guy blowing up the middle? Allowing <laughs> this guy to, you know, stunt when he has to read, be the second, be the cleanup guy, all that stuff. I mean, that he's just that good, you know. 
I'm on board with you. Uh, I think if Jalen Carter is there at nine, you take him. Uh, I but what my issue is is I I don't think he's going to be there now. Uh, it sounds like uh, maybe the Seahawks might be lining up to take him. Um, I think that probably Detroit and Seattle. Touching back on what you were saying. I think they're going to wait. They're either going to trade down or they're going to wait a little bit in, uh, later in the draft to take a quarterback. Uh, you know, because both of them have their starter, uh, quote unquote, for this year. Uh, both of them think that that starter is going to do a good enough job to get them to the playoffs, which, uh, you know, uh, with good with good with good reason. But um, I, I just I, I don't think. Teams are putting that much stock in his reckless driving charge. And uh, they're going to remember that this guy is an absolute force in the middle and somebody's going to take him. Yeah. And, and, and looking at that too, Seattle and Detroit could easily, and maybe even more wisely, if they are into Hendon Hooker, get him with their second pick and you have the ability just like the other ones, let him get healthy and, and learn for a year. Well, and this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, which is that I think both Seattle and Detroit could talk themselves into thinking that they at least have a chance to come out of the NFC this year. Even though I don't think either of them are, are great. I think Detroit's a little better than Seattle, but the NFC just stinks. I mean, the Eagles yeah. <laughs> are really good, but... All it takes is for some bad injury luck, and they lost a lot of guys too. San Francisco is really good, but who knows what their quarterback situation is going to be. And after that, it's a whole lot of nothing. So if a, if one of those two teams thinks that they could plug in Jalen Carter as a day one guy and he can just be uh, the the prospect that everybody you know thought he was before the reckless driving incident, then... I think you kind of have to do that because both of those teams, I think should be kind of viewing this as uh, this is our year type of thing where, you know, maybe, maybe in a normal year, we'd be the, the fifth best team in the conference, but just because of the way things have transpired in the off season, they're, they're probably, you know, second, third, and that's a guy that can make an impact on day one. And the, the fear that I have is that Carter goes to Detroit and then yes. he's awesome because then you've got Hutchinson and Carter on the same defensive line. I mean, good, yeah. good luck. And Houston, that, that Houston, uh, I think he was like a later round. Oh, right. Too. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, that Carter is, there's others, but Carter is the one that I'm scared of hell of going to Detroit. Yeah. The, um, that Houston guy you mentioned, uh, he had a good game against, uh, the bears at, uh, at Detroit. And, and I think he was like a fourth round pick just, Looking mm-hmm. like an absolute beast opposite, opposite Hutchinson. Now you put Carter in the middle. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> oh, uh, so I think that if Carter, uh, let's just go ahead and assume that he's kind of put all of this behind him to a degree and he's ready to be a top 10 pick. I just don't see him getting to the Bears. I, I don't think he's getting by Detroit or Seattle. I can't remember which one of them is picking first, but. I think one of those two teams will take him. Um, Chris, you brought up Nolan Smith. And that's a guy that I find really interesting because I was listening to an interview with one of the Georgia beat writers 
And he said that he thinks if Nolan Smith had played a full year, that he would be getting drafted ahead of both Carter or Will Anderson. He, he said that just when you look at his talent and you look at his makeup, he's got everything to that you'd want to be considered the best defensive player in the draft. Now, his college production doesn't match up to that. And I think, obviously, when you talk about Georgia, it, it's tough to be productive as an underclassman just because you're behind five-star recruits everywhere on the roster. And then it sounds like this past year, number one, he got injured. But when he was playing, Georgia was kind of scheming him up in a way that wasn't necessarily maximizing like his tackle numbers or his sack numbers, but was the way that they wanted to use him in their defense. And it sounds like when you just look at his traits, he's got everything that you could want in a edge rusher that you're drafting in the first round. What's your opinion of him um, and, and how he would not maybe stack up against uh, the other couple of players I mentioned there? Carter. Yeah, because I, I, I saw the same thing, uh, you know, um, that it was kind of a little bit the scheme that was a little bit more of uh, read and react than just a pure edge rush. Uh, you, you watch him on tape. I mean, he has he has the ability. He's 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 great. Um, I would put him. I would put him up there. Um, potentially in that you know Will Anderson thing. I mean, you know, it's always a if you're in a scheme. And yeah, it's Georgia. You could say okay. Everybody said Carter was the one that made a run, but you still had five guys get drafted in the first round off the defense from last year, and and they produced uh, at great numbers. So yeah, it's 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 sometimes if you're not the one that's almost the big highlight reel in the thing you you not you, you don't always look the same on tape or have the gun. It's easy to get lost in the shuffle down there. Exactly. No, I I, I mean I like him. Um, you know I would honestly say if it if if I had my choice at defensive end I would actually probably if he's healthy if he's healthy. Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech um, over Will Anderson only because mm. he is a pure 4-3. Will Anderson is a little bit of a hybrid. I have no problem that I think he'd be successful in either, but he seems a little bit more like a 3-4 edge. And Tyree Wilson, my gosh, you you watch him, I, and it, I, I, he's just explosive. I, I You almost haven't seen a defensive end like that with some of the things that he can do. I mean, I, I saw him like, you know, shove two tacklers back into the quarterback, you know, make a t- make a tackle while he's being double teamed, all that type of stuff. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. He, That's interesting. Yeah. But, and, and I mean, and, and Smith has a similar level of athleticism, I would say, you know, in that, I mean, there's, there's a couple guys and, and that are, are seriously huge and athletic that are just, you know, you haven't seen before and and that's where you know this this is a really strong draft as far as edge you know the the three technique it kind of drops kind of quick but edge there's a lot of guys even that are mocked in in you know the second and third round that look like they could potentially you know be starters day one what about switching switching to the other side of the ball um, back from defense, back over to offense, but the skill positions. So two of the names that uh, have come out quite a bit, of course, Bijan Robinson, running back from Texas, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, 
from Ohio State. Uh, what what do you think about you know going all in on uh, on skill players and getting one of those guys? You know, I'm never going to be uh, against adding as much offensive talent as we can. Uh, I, I I think, and I I think you guys mentioned this too that you know uh, Cincinnati could have drafted uh, so offensive. Talent offensive tackle and, and, and instead he grabbed they grabbed Jamar Chase. Yeah. And yeah, the line wasn't good, but it got them to the you know the super um what I always say about Jamar Chase is it's just one of those guys where you just see him catch the ball and then you all of a sudden he's fifty yards down the yes. field. Yeah. Like more more of those guys. <laughs> right, right. And so uh, you know someone like Bijan, I think he'd be great. The the my 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 biggest Thing with Bijan is not with him as a player. It's more of he looks like that last piece oh. you know, for for the team sure. um, with the shelf life of running backs. And you know, I, I I I actually don't mind our running back room. I think it's pretty good. I think there's probably you know it's even this year you hear them saying there's guys that would have gone probably late round two, late round three that are going to be in, in uh, you know day day three picks, you know, fourth round on at running back. Right. It, it's pretty deep. I mean, I'm, I'm going to give you my hot take. I will, I will say by the end of round two, there'll be twice as many tight ends taken as running backs, if not more. I've seen that as well. Uh, there's uh, it, it is definitely uh, a hot position uh, at the, especially at the top end. Uh, there's like six or seven guys that are all very buzzworthy first day starter right. kind of guys. Uh, there and you know they're uh, led by Mayor from uh, Notre Dame, who um, <laughs> they're saying that he's what Komet is supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, you know, one thing I did want to I did want to touch on is I I I, I do like the idea, uh, Jim, uh, and I have talked about it quite a bit. Loading up on offense, you know. Okay, so the defense, uh, you know, the offense scores over forty a game. The defense allows thirty eight, right? But, but um, I, I just I, I I like the idea of using our first pick wherever it is uh, on one of the trenches. Well, I think I think you kind of need to, right? I mean, the the, the both the offensive line and defensive line were so bad last year. I, I definitely get the idea behind uh, Smith and Jigba. I mean, he's a great talent at wide receiver. And although the Bears have three starting wide receivers, right? I mean, one of them's Chase Claypool, who is unproven, and the other one's Darnell Mooney, who we all really like. But if the Bears drafted Smith and Jigba and said, we don't plan to extend Mooney because now we've got a much better receiver that is going to be on a rookie contract. I wouldn't, I would have a hard time being upset about that, but let's say they did that and they, they did draft the wide receiver there. That's just a, a lot of draft capital because they already traded a, a lot for Claypool and, and for DJ Moore. Right. So I, I just think they're going to plan to go somewhere else on the roster because using another top 10 pick on a wide receiver is just a, a lot of your resources spent on one position. Now it's a very important position, but that's just a lot of draft capital to, to spend in, in one room. 
Agreed. And the thing is, is that um, we, it, it's a, you know, he's going to definitely draft a receiver at some point. Uh, he doesn't have to draft a receiver there. Uh, we do have that cluster of picks coming at the end of two and the, the first pick in the third. Uh, and the same with running back. There is a lot. It's a very, very deep uh, draft for running back. Now, there is a drop from Robinson to everybody else. But uh, I, I think with the way the team is, is being built, you have to use that spot for one for one one side or the other in the trenches there, and uh, and look at one of those super high flying uh, offensive skill players next year in the draft when we have two first round picks. Right, because if we get if we get if if we get the trenches, we get all that stuff. You know, we can say, hey, we got two first rounders. We're we're gonna get a you know great wide receiver. Probably not going to be the wide receiver we all want because we're going to have to really suck, or Carolina's probably going to have to really suck to get you know, Harrison Jr. But you know, next year, but <laughs> you're going to be able to get a damn good wide receiver and you know a, a damn good running back if you want to, and if those are like the last pieces to like lean into the all all in offense, you know. Yeah, I, I I really liked the idea of Bijan Robinson initially, and then. I can't remember who said this, but last week I was listening to something and somebody said that drafting Bijan Robinson at nine sounds like something Ryan Pace would do. (laughs) (laughs) Enough said to make me not want to do that anymore. (laughs) Um, uh, So I I think that's that's a a good breakdown of of the skill positions. Um, Chris, if we transition back to defense, another guy that I've seen linked to the Bears at number nine is is Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. Um, he's a player that I am certainly interested in just because it sounds like he's got a ton of talent, super high motor, can play any position on the defensive line. Um, what have you heard about him? Yeah, so he's someone who, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because I think we're talking Brugler. Brugler was the one who was in on him early. I... Like, I think right. had him in his, I think, top 10 or top 12, somewhere there early, and everybody else was mocking him, you know, probably like a round, round four, round five, and now everyone's kind of starting to creep him up farther and farther in the first round. I mean, he's he's powerful, talented pass rusher. You know, people sit there and say, well, he didn't start, but it's if you know Iowa, they always had a starter you know, they, they they gave the upperclassmen the kind of the starting nod as kind of a... Right. Yeah. I've, I've heard of this Van Ness played starter snaps. He just didn't start. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it's it, it's like a sixth man in, in basketball that probably plays more than, you know, all but two of the starters as far as minutes. Yeah, apparently... Ferentz just views it as a ceremonial thing to have the seniors yeah. start, which seems ridiculous, but that's college sports for you. Yeah, and and it's it's one of those things where you know, they, they talk about, I, I see him get mentioned as Edge, but I've heard people talk that there is some, you know, depending if they did it, potentially even like three technique. And, you know, and, and, and he you can see he's lined up all over the place there too, so... He's he's tough. I remember. Um, I think he like that was the one. I think he was the one person who actually made 
uh, Paris Johnson Jr. looked bad. I think he like did the old uh, uh, Khalil Mack to Thurston Wirfs to him. You know, not maybe that. <laughs> but he exploded him on stuff. So I mean, he's 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 definitely talented. He's got all all the stuff, uh, the athleticism, and and I mean. Size, yeah, and six foot five, two hundred seventy-two pounds, thirty-four inch arms. So he he's got the prototype build. Twenty twenty-one, thirty-three tackles, eight and a half for loss, seven sacks, and twenty twenty-two, thirty-eight tackles, eleven tackles for loss, six and a half sacks. So as you were saying, Jim, um, you know, uh, starter kind of numbers. Uh, just, you know, didn't have the, the title there, but uh, really active in a really, really stout defense. Um, and uh, he, he certainly looks, uh, looks the part. Well, and one thing that I like about Van Ness, is, as well as Nolan Smith, who, who we talked about earlier, it, it sounds like both of them have a lot of versatility in their game. Van Ness, like you said, Chris, uh, he, he's played everywhere on the line at Iowa. Some people think he could be a really good three technique. Some people think he could be a really good edge, but it has the ability to do both. And then Nolan Smith sounds like somebody that Kirby Smart kind of asked to do pretty much everything at Georgia. He could, you know, right. rush the passer. He, he'd set the edge against the run. He, he can play and pass coverage. And both, both sound like really high makeup guys, uh, very much hits principal guys. Like I joked about earlier, you know, guys that are, are max effort um, and, and just kind of what you want in terms of makeup at, at that spot in the draft. So I, I like both a lot. Um, it, it feels like Nolan Smith maybe has a bit more upside, but maybe Van Ness uh, just is also somebody that is just projects as a really, really impactful player on the line and, seems like kind of a, a can't-miss prospect to the extent that anybody ever is. So if that's where they're going to go on the line at nine or thereabouts, then I, I like both of those players a lot. I, I mean, Tyree Wilson is, is another one that, that you touched on, but it seems like it, it doesn't seem like he's going to make it to the Bears. Right. Um, is there anybody else that you, you have your eyes on if, if we just go on the defensive line um, when we're talking about first-round picks? First-round pick... Um... There's a guy I like, but he's he's gonna he, he'd be a gamble because he's a, he's a bit older, um, and then you know with COVID and, and all that, I, I think you're kind of seeing that sometimes with some guys um, for that. But one, probably the the fun one of the funnest highlight reels I've watched is Keon White out of Georgia Tech. Oh uh, yeah, uh, he's older. He 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 started Old Dominion, then he sat out with COVID, then he transferred and got hurt. Um, the beginning of the one season, uh, you know, so he's a, you know, he was a redshirt senior, but he's explosive. I mean, you know, incredibly explosive, um, athletic, and it can, can line up everywhere. You know, he's, um, you know, uh, he, he's, he's a fun one. He, he's got, he's got a little bit of an in injury concern and older and, and so raw. So he's, Probably if he sniffs the first round, it's not going to be where we're picking at nine. You know, that's going to be later. Um, I, I, I know a lot of talk about uh, Miles Murphy. Um, 
at, at Clemson. So I watched him. He, he looks very solid. I didn't see anything that dumped out crazy um, as far as edge, but I mean, he, he looked like a very solid, very natural type of, you know, defensive end. Yeah. And he did it uh, at a very high level um, for right. a really good, for a really good team. Um, the, uh, I'm, I was looking at uh, White's numbers here, six foot five, 285 pounds. He's definitely got the physique. Uh, and you're you're right, you know you're right, Chris. He, he's kind of checkered uh, when he did play. It looks like he played pretty well, but he uh, missed some time. Uh, you know they're mostly going off uh, what he did last year. Third team All ACC, 14 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks, 54 tackles. Not a lot from playing uh, inside outside. So, uh, but certainly an interesting prospect that would be there. Uh, a little bit later on day two. Chris, I have another day two guy, um, and it's, I'm not going to pronounce this correctly, but it's the defensive tackle from Northwestern, Adetomiwa Adeboware. I don't know if I got that right or not, but... I think that's, that's a, I think that's as close as anyone's gotten it. <laughs> it, it sounds like that's a, a very kind of raw defensive tackle prospect, but obviously if he's got the traits and if, if he went to Northwestern, that typically means he's very smart too. Because yeah. Northwestern's not really a school that sacrifices their academic standards for football, which is part of the reason why they, they stink. But right. <laughs> this, this player is somebody that's getting a lot of day two hype and, um, seems like a, a very, very high upside in terms of athleticism. Just curious what you know about him and if he'd be a potential fit. Yeah, so it, it's in, so he's like he he's why it's interesting because he really I, I think helped himself out at, at the combine uh, that he he kind of blew people away. And 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 you start watching the tape and, and you can see what they really did was. You know, you talked about Northwestern. I mean, I think, did they just beat Nebraska and that was it last year? Yeah, I yeah, think so. Their last think, two years have been really awful. Yeah, so I don't think they've been very good. So it's kind of, you hear he was put everywhere they could on the field just to try and use him because he was their best player. But he's also the guy that, what do they call it, the blue dot, that every you know everyone's scheming to take out of the play. And I, I heard Fitz, Pat Fitzgerald, say that they hurt his draft potential because they were not necessarily scheming him up to succeed, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. They were just scheming him to try and get get, get a chance to get him open, and, and they were just, yeah, because, they, they, you know, you put him on, on the side, you're going to get him, uh, put him on the outside, and you're going to get the tight end and, and the running back there. <laughs> They're going to double team down for if he's he's in in the gaps there. It definitely it definitely someone you know I you, you always kind of worry where the the part comes from the combine mm-hmm. you know where 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 the the hype and, and what people like come from the combine, but at the same time there's there's a lot of these guys too that people are liking because they were kind of the only person on kind of a either a crappy team or on a crappy offense or defense. Right. You know, um, like I, I heard uh, 
Jake Laporta, where we were talking about the, how this might be one of the yeah. in class for all ages, that, or Sam Laporta. Yeah, Sam Laporta. He, he's gone up a lot because people realize, I mean, and I think Tom and I knew this, how bad Iowa's offense was. Yeah, that but he was good. He, yeah, he was kind of like considered kind of a late, you know, kind of like maybe in that top 10, but now he's kind of moving more into, I've seen him to more like top five for time. And, you know, the the the, the top the top the, the eighth the tight end that goes eighth this year probably would have gone second in another year but that's kind of how I look with you know um, this Adabare you know it's it's <laughs> he's he's got everything you see and it, it's I haven't jumped back and watched a lot of tape on him since uh, you know he he blew up on the combine to really yeah, just don't don't watch Northwestern tape it's it's bad. For you. <laughs> Okay, okay. Okay. So his his name is Addy Addy Tommy Wa Addy Barre. Addy Tommy Wa Addy Barre. Sounds better when you say it faster, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I'll say this faster. Uh, in 2021, eight and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. 2022, nine for loss. Two force fumbles and five sacks. So those are good numbers, especially on a really, really terrible team. Yeah, it's it's interesting because that we we all are kind of assuming that the Bears think that they need a three technique, but they do still have Justin Jones, who I think played decently last year, and similar to what we were just talking about, played decently on a horrible defense where there was really nobody else that you had to worry about when, when you were scheming up to block the Bears. So I'm wondering if maybe they try to really upgrade at edge, and I think they've already brought in some some other defensive tackles to play next to Jones. And maybe they say, all right, we're going to draft a, a three technique on day two, we're going to hit edge on day one, and we'll let, uh, we'll, we'll let our, our day two or day three tech develop behind Justin Jones. So be interesting to see what they prioritize. I think I, I still expect them to, to hit defensive line hard in the draft just because it was, was such a weakness last year. Interestingly, um, I was looking at uh, this kid's numbers and he may be able to shift inside six foot two, 282 pounds. Um, those are defensive tackle numbers right there. Uh, you you bulk him up a little bit more to that uh, 291 range, and uh, you got somebody who he ran a 449. <laughs> That's pretty good for a guy that weighs 280 pounds. Um, you know, you, maybe you have a maybe you have an inside guy. Well, that's what, and you're t- you're talking about out of. I can't pronounce it. Yeah, but, Addy uh, Tomo, Addy Tamiwa Adabare. Yeah, so just here's what Brugler says about him. His instincts are not close to his traits. However, if a team can close that gap, they might have a star on their hands. So day two pick seems like somebody that, if you coach him up, maybe could be a really nice piece on a, on a 4-3 defense. And I, I think Brugler does project him to play inside. Nice. Um. Chris, I want to switch to a different position. Um, it's a position that 
I, I don't really think many people have talked about because it doesn't stand out as a huge need. But if you look at the Bears roster, they really only have two cornerbacks <laughs> that, <laughs> you know, that you feel any any sort of way about. Um, there, there's a couple of corners that are at the top of the list in terms of talent when you just look at the draft, but right. might fall down the board a little bit because quarterback and edge rusher are, are going to get drafted really highly. Um, are there any corners that stand out? I know that there's Gonzalez from Oregon, there's, there's Witherspoon from Illinois, and then a little bit further down, but still a, a day one guy is Joey Porter Jr. Yep. Just curious if there's any of those three that you really like, or if there's anybody else that maybe I missed that we know Ryan Poles values that position. He, he spent his first two picks on the secondary last year. And so if we're talking about best player available, to me, it's very likely that the best player available at nine is going to be a corner just because of where I think other teams are going to go with those first eight picks. I will say this, if Ryan uh, <laughs> Ryan Bowles takes Christian Gonzalez <laughs> at number nine, I am not going to be unhappy at all. I will probably do a cartwheel. Um, I started watching prospect number four, by the way. Fourth yeah. Prospect. And I mean, you, well, this, this, the hits principle, yep, he's a hits guy. I mean, the, 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 this is definitely a fluce type of, of guy. Um, Long, athletic, I mean, just great, like, just always goes for the ball, um, very willing tackler, all of that type of stuff that, yeah, I think he would be, you know, fantastic. Uh, I, I like, I like Porter, uh, you know, he's, he's got the town too. He's very aggressive as you, you figure his dad probably, <laughs> you know, put that into him. The Witherspoon kid I like. Uh, it's that size, though. You, you wonder if he's going to be able to hold up because he is a little bit, um, you know, sl- on, on the slider frame side. You know, if, for being a corner on the outside, one eighty one. Yeah. So I mean, if you if you put him in a you know if you got him as your nickel, you know, probably pretty good. But I'd, 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 it, it just seems like he'd be he'd be a tough one for that hold up. I I definitely <laughs> like. Him. This thing is he's insanely fast, right? Yeah, he, 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 yeah. he ran like some insane forty time. Not at the uh, combine. He he did really well at the uh, I think at the pro day and ran. Yeah, uh, I think he ran in the the four th- four three range. Uh, the uh, anyway, you know, he's a hits guy. He's yeah, guy for sure, so. he is. He is. It's like you said though. Chris, he, he, he has a little bit slight of frame, um, and, uh, you know, people wonder about that going in, but he is projected in that top, in that top 10, 12 picks. Yeah, and, and for the most part, every mock draft that I had seen had Gonzalez going to Detroit, but lately I've seen a lot more people thinking they're either going to take Jalen Carter or... A quarterback so I, I think that if Gonzalez falls to nine then man that that is really intriguing because cornerback is a very important position I mean some would say it's the second most important behind quarterback right I, I don't know that I'd agree to agree with that but it's certainly one of the more positions on your more important positions on your roster and if you say we've got uh Tristan Gonzalez or a Witherspoon 
plus Jalen Johnson, plus Kyler Gordon, you're kind of saying, all right, we, we can basically pencil in our, our starting three for the next five years. Uh, that's definitely something that would make me feel a lot better than I felt about the Bears cornerback situation going into the draft last year. Because, like I said, I mean, I, I like Jalen Johnson a lot. I like Kyler Gordon. I think he had a really strong second half, but you need at least three. And it's actually like you need more like four or five to get yourself through a season typically. And the Bears right now have, have two guys that yeah, even really want to see out there at all. So it's definitely a position where I think they're still going to need to, to invest in. And I don't think people would love spending another high draft pick in the secondary, but I also don't hate the idea either. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm with both of you on that. I mean, if, if he goes and takes one of those top corners, I'm going to be, I'll be good with it. I, you know, I think all three of us are on the same page that we'd like to see somebody on one of the lines as, as the primary pick there. Um, but this leads us to the question of what do you not want to happen? What, what pick, uh, what, what position does, does, does polls step to the microphone with? And you're like, what in the H E double hockey sticks are you? What is going on? Go ahead, Jim. Oh man. Uh, it's a, it's tough to, Tough to answer that because there are so many holes on the Bears roster. <laughs> um, it would be really hard uh, to be really angry if if they uh, at anything they do. I mean, I, I don't think I wouldn't love going receiver at nine just because of what I talked about earlier. They already have a ton invested in that position. But if they drafted Smith and Jigba, would I? throw my hands in the air probably not because I, I recognize the talent there um I, I think that if if they if they went with Skaradsky I, I wouldn't hate it but I would be surprised because I've just seen so many scouts say they think that his highest ceiling is at guard and I just don't love the idea of, of using a top pick on somebody that you, you think you already have to move positions that that might just be in general what I would be the most upset about is is if they picked somebody and did the Ryan Pace thing where they said, "Wow, he's always played this in college, but we see him at, at, at a different position in the pros." I, I don't love that idea in general, so I don't know that I have a specific name, but if they're picking somebody, I, I want to see them pick somebody that has at least played a, a season or two at the position that they're picking him for. Nice. Chris? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Like, you know, do, do I, like, I, I talked about it, nothing against B. John Robinson. I think he's phenomenal. I mean, truthfully, <laughs> it's, it's in my dynasty leagues, if I have an opportunity, I'm taking him and not even, like, you know, I'm looking at a trade, you know, that kind of thing. I think it was from a, a, a needs perspective where you have so many needs that that's, like, the one spot where, you know, we don't, um, you know, I like wide receiver. Yeah. You, you'd still get it. And, you know, you can probably never have too many wide receivers either, you know, and, and maybe it's, it's that, you know, we got two, you know, our, our two and three wide receivers are, are, you know, 
up for, you know, a new contract. So, you know, one of them might not be back and, and one's coming off a serious injury. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. So it, it, that's, that's it. I mean, it, you know, uh, if they say Hendon Hooker, I'm not going to be happy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, or, or I guess, you know, punter, things like that. Uh, but truth, I mean, there's, there's so many things I'm, I'm going to, I'd end with maybe B1 now that I think about it. And there are some really good talents there, but I think there's probably bigger needs. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, number one, inside linebacker. I actually saw uh, on on sports, I'm pretty sure it was on Sports Illustrated, somebody had us picking an inside linebacker at number nine. And okay. yeah. I was just like, are you are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, any linebacker, I, I changed my thing. Any linebacker, I'm I'm not happy. Yeah, um, uh, safety. Uh, that 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 better not uh, be be what happens when uh, we step to the podium. And tight end, as you were talking about, Chris, there are some really there is some really good talent uh, up there at the at the top of the draft. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> they, I think they stick with what they got there and. You know, Jim, with with receiver, I'm on, I'm in the same uh, I'm in the same card as you. I, I like the thought of Injigba. Um, I like the thought of Marvin Harrison Jr. a lot more. We we wait and we draft another receiver uh, later on in the draft. Maybe I don't know, maybe two, and um, we work through it that way, and then we look at at, at next year, but. I while I really like Njigba, it, it it does bother me that he only had one good year out of three, uh, and uh, it wasn't because wasn't because he was didn't have the talent. It was because he didn't play. But you can be the most talented player on the on the roster, but if you don't play, it doesn't mean much. Well, it's it's it, it's not like his one good year was last year. It's been a I think a couple years. Since yeah, it was twenty twenty one. Okay, so not as long ago as I thought, but yeah, I agree. I mean, that, that's another thing that has always been kind of a Bears tradition is drafting injured players. <laughs> and I, I don't know that Njigba's injuries are necessarily chronic. Like when you think about Chris Williams or Gabe Karimi or the Bears drafted an offensive lineman with a broken back. Well, great. Tevin Jenkins. Um, yeah, so so I, I don't know. It's necessarily fair to compare, but... Yeah, I mean, drafting somebody that's had a history of, of not being on the field would be another red flag for me, I guess. Okay, so does polls wait 44 picks? We have pick nine, and then we drop all the way down to pick 53. I, for one, do not believe that stays that way. I would say no, but I, I have a feeling that it, it's 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 a lot more likely that it's a trade down. I don't know I how they specifically. I'm not I'm not sure how they arrange it. You know, Chris and I, you and I were discussing a little bit. Maybe like they they trade down just a little bit in the first, and then use one of those uh, second round picks to trade up. Uh, but I just I don't believe he waits 44 picks uh, at that. I mean. You're talking about 44 high picks, not, you know, not late round. 
Well, right. especially because I, I think like the top 50 in this draft is is really highly thought of, right? Or 55 or something. I, I can't remember but exactly the number was, but I, I think the cutoff is before where the Bears' second pick would be, where everybody kind of says, yeah, the top X number of players in this draft are, are really strong, and then there's a bit of a drop-off. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, in most drafts, it's that it's that top 50, top 55. Um, the... The the thing is, is that it, it just it we have a great first pick, and it's just hard for me to see him. There's a whole crop of talent that's going to be going through the latter half of the first round and all of the second round, and you know while we can all you know cry about the fact that we used our pick on Claypool, even though we don't know for sure what we have with that. The fact is, is that that's what he decided to do, and he's the man in charge. I just don't see him being satisfied with that big of a gap at that particular stage in the draft. Yeah, I think I think the only way to really move the needle on that would be to package a couple of those second round picks and and move up, because they can trade down, but. I don't know that they're necessarily getting a ton to trade down from nine because at that point, I think most of the quarterbacks will be off the board. And I just don't see teams using a lot of their resources to trade up in the middle of the first round to get a non quarterback. So I think if they, if they want to move up, that probably means that they're packaging some combination of those picks that they have kind of bunched together uh, on day two and, I just don't know that Poles is going to want to give up draft picks with the state that this roster is in. But right. It's also a question of all right, if, if they have somebody that they really like in kind of that 40, early 50 range, maybe it is worth it. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out because I agree that's a long time to go between picks and there's going to be a lot of really good players that drop off the board while the Bears are sitting around if they don't do anything. So, it's, and it's, it's, I think it's got to be someone he loves, though, too. Because, I mean, I, I think yes. what you can say about Poles is we you – know, he's pretty pragmatic, right, that he turned a few picks into many picks last year. He wasn't going to just overpay to get a right tackle. He was like, I like McGlinchey. I'm not going to pay past a certain point. That it's like he is very – you know, he doesn't just – do anything non-pragmatically that there's a story too that he brought in fields and and you know they they said he talked with him about the draft but he also said this is the way i think the board is going to play so i'm probably going to draft two defensive players in the second round don't be offended by it i still have faith in you but this is where the value is yeah so i can also see him going man i want to have you know three picks between 53 and 64 or whatever too so um, uh, I was reading McShay's, uh, so I'm a huge fan, Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper. The, those to me are the, are the two guys when it comes right down to it. Uh, but, um, McShay's latest mock came out. He has us taking Skaronsky at nine. Uh, his second round pick though, caught me a little off guard. Zach Charbonnet running back from UCLA. Uh, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't, you know, number one, I'm not, he's all right. He doesn't, you know, excite me. And like I said, there's, there's plenty of guys you could get in, in the third round, what after, you know, that, that I think are as good as, if not better than Fabernet. Yeah, that, that's, that's where I am too on that one. I think that if they're not gonna get, either um gibbs or robinson then I, I think there's probably someone you could get later on in the draft agreed I, I agree with both of you on that I, I i don't see it that being a value and uh it doesn't really seem like a pick that that polls would make yeah i, I agree chris i was wondering maybe if we circle back we started this episode talking about quarterbacks um, and one thing that Ryan Pace always said was that he wanted to draft a quarterback every year, which, <laughs> which he never did. But I, I think that's a, a good philosophy, right? Especially when you're starting to talk about day three, you, you kind of take a shot and maybe you see if there's somebody that, you know, fell down in the draft for whatever reason, but maybe if they sit around for a couple of years, they, they develop or at least you have a capable backup. Is there anybody on kind of day three that you think highly of at the quarterback position that maybe could be worth a, a late draft pick? I know the highest profile one is going to be Stetson Bennett and maybe yeah. like him, but if not, is there anybody else that you think could oh, yeah. be that third, third arm? Yeah. So there, 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 there's a couple guys. Now I was looking at this too, that, and I don't know if you guys popped the champagne cause we finally got a compensatory pick. <laughs> last pick of the draft but you know um last pick of the draft last year was brock purdy i am in the land of brock purdy mania um, so um you know I, I was i was really kind of looking at who would be kind of maybe that guy you want to sign at, you know draft with the, the the last pick of the draft rather than having to try and, you know, recruit him in, in undrafted. So um, there's uh, a couple that were interesting. Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yep. Uh, he's out of uh, UCLA, I believe. Yep. Uh, he's crazy so, talented. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you watch him, man. I mean, he's he's, he's talented. There's a little bit where, you know, he, he's got a little – he seems a little bit like a rhythm passer in the fact that um, – you know, when he's going, he's really going, but then if he hits a little bit, he can kind of, he got a little bit of streakiness and, and, you know, there's a little bit of questions on the progression, but, you know, he's a kid that played at, um, oh, uh, he was, he was one of those great Pac-12 after dark quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. And so he went like, to, yeah. That, yeah, but that's after dark. Yeah. It's like you're up late and it's like eleven thirty PM and you're tired and you're just kind of like half watching a game and just every single play that they run, the ball's in the end zone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he went to yeah, and he was um he went to like Bishop Gorman High School, which is like in uh Las Vegas, and that is uh I mean they they, they play on ESPN too a lot and they play in Arizona, they play in Georgia, they play in right. the so it's like if you imagine if Creighton Durham Hall was backed with casino money rather than just like the uh, offer the the offerings bowl on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, he's that's one of the factories. Yeah, yeah, it's it's literally you know it's it's a huge factory. Um, 
couple other guys that caught my eye during, um, I think one, one was during the senior bowl and one was at, at the, um, uh, Shrine game. Uh, Tim DeMarat at Fordham. Uh, I think he was a senior bowl. Uh, Fordham. <laughs> dude had a hell of an arm. He's like a three-time MVP. Um, looked like he's got, you know, some some traits, some prospect. Um, Tyson Badgent at Shepard. Uh, he, he was a guy that honestly... Shepard? He, he, he did not look underwhelmed at, you know, playing with, with a higher level of talent. What conference is Shepard in? I think they played Ashland a lot. <laughs> they played they played a lot of a lot of a lot of places with like two directions in their name, right? <laughs> Northern uh, Southwest, Texas. It's know, Division North. Two. Yeah. And he threw 150 touchdown passes to 48 interceptions in his career. 159 so, passing touchdowns. 17,000 yards. Yeah. What, did, what did you say this guy's name was? Tyson Badgett. Tyson Badgett, six foot three, 213 pounds. Uh, yeah, looks like he's uh, pretty uh, athletic. Um, he, he threw the ball a ton. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's like Chris said, you know, I mean, he played at a really small school, but at the same time, he dominated at that level. Yeah. One, one that might go a little higher that I, I did kind of like, um, uh, Malik Cunningham out of Louisville. Uh, I, if I recall correctly, he had like a thousand yards rushing uh, in 2021. Um, he's more of a runner um, than, than he is a passer. I mean, he, he, he's he got some ability to pass, but he, he's kind of a little bit of a, oh, I, I don't even want to say watered down Lamar Jackson, but that's kind of what kind of came to mind a little bit. But, you know, he's someone that probably goes late round five, early round six, you know. Um, but so he's, he's someone that, you know. He's a little. He's a little short. He's six yeah. foot one ninety two. So he's a, he's a little bit smaller. But yeah, you're right. He's that dual threat kind of guy. Broke uh, Cunningham broke Lamar Jackson's school record by accounting for one hundred and twenty career touchdowns. So yeah, uh, so I, I hadn't. Uh, that's really awesome, Chris, because I hadn't uh, really looked at any of those guys, um, but the uh, but Tyson Badgett and Malik Cunningham and Dorian Thompson Robinson were all uh, ranked on uh, in the top ten uh, on uh, NFL.com, uh, and I I, I definitely uh, w- I'm with you with uh, Thompson Robinson. Um, I like how much experience he has, and his numbers are pretty solid. Uh, if he was, you know, most of the time those teams weren't very good, so he could certainly uh, improve. The other one I also like, though, that I don't feel is getting a huge amount of uh, talk is Max Duggan from TCU. Um, proven winner, uh, you know, at, at his school. Uh, also... Played a lot of football at TCU. I like to see a lot of experience. Threw for over uh, 4,000 yards last year. 41 total touchdowns. Um, 
He also won just about every uh, every uh, uh, award that he could uh, last year, other than um, other than the Heisman. And you know, they uh, TCU uh, overall did pretty well. So um, you know, I, I think uh, you know he's also like you said, Chris. He's a little bit older guy, uh, right. but uh, uh, you know, you know, we're we're, we're talking about. We're talking about somebody that we want to bring in as a developmental player who we're not looking for a replacement fields, but we want a guy that can grow with fields and be a dependable number two. Right. And like I said, and, and I, I thought he was a good, I, I think he's a good prospect. I mean, he had, he did not have a good senior bowl game. I mean, he was like noticeably the worst of the five quarterbacks that played, but that's not to say, you know, he, you know, it, it's always tough for that too to sit there and say, okay, yeah, this guy is definitely bad because he had a bad one, you know, or that he's good because he looked great, you know. Well, he's certainly <laughs> not a Tyson Badgen. He got outplayed by Tyson Badgen. I mean, it's just <laughs> around it, but that's one game too, you know. Uh, <laughs> so. Chris, is, is, is there any, is, I guess, transitioning from quarterbacks, is there any player that you really just love in this draft that maybe is a day two or a day three guy? Just anybody that you've got your eye on that you think is underrated or that you think is, is kind of somebody that you'd love to see the Bears maybe take a flyer on later in the draft? The guy that I'm, I'm I, and I, I kind of started seeing him get a little bit of, uh, of steam in, in the second. And, and I'm like, I, I got to watch this guy a little more is uh, Elijah Cansey. Oh, yeah. Defensive tackle out of Pittsburgh. Monstat loves him. Yeah. He is, now he is undersized, but holy cow. I mean, he is quick and explosive. I'm, and, and like I said, you know, coming from Pitt, he gets Aaron Donald comparison and things like that. But I was watching tape, and I actually looked at him, and it reminded me a lot uh, of John Randall. Oh, nice. That's that's who I saw when I watched that tape. Okay. You know, and I think it's like, you know, it if he was, you know, and there's a lot of guys like that. If he was two inches, you know, taller, he's probably, you know, he's probably in that in that kind of late first round, you know, kind of. Pushing up. It's just like I think some of these wide receivers, if some of the wide receivers were a little bit taller or a little bit, you know, bigger, they, they'd probably be going up in this draft too. But he's definitely one that I, I like, um, especially, you know, I mean, he's kind of in that probably, he'd probably have to be someone that we would try to trade up, you know, into the early second for. But he's definitely someone um, I like a lot. Someone who, um, you know, and this depends, the, the, someone who I just think it would be fun as heck to get on the team would be uh, Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen him. He's six foot seven, like 280. Um, and I think he got down, he might've gotten down to like 270 or whatever for, for the combine. But I mean, he, he had an incredibly fast uh, 40 and the guy's got like legitimate pass catching talent. I mean, I think he had like uh, there. There's some highlights of him like having a one, one-handed, you know, over the shoulder, back shoulder there. I mean, that's more that that's more of a late first round. Um, a third round guy, guy that probably is about round in the third round that I, I've got some interest in, 
uh, just because I find him kind of unique, uh, interesting, was uh, Darius Rush. He's a uh, Southern South Carolina cornerback. Uh, his team yeah. is one of the ones that's kind of in um, after after the first three cornerbacks. He's kind of in that Keely Ringo range. I think it's Cam Sims or whatever. But uh, this kid, like, he's a converted wide receiver, and it's you you watch him play, and it, it's almost like he knows the route before the wide receiver does. So he he was he was a fun one. So I've seen him kind of like as a as a uh, kind of in that late third round area. So I think he'd be a fun one. Yeah, on corner, um, uh, uh, the one I was thinking of is. Um, the kid from uh, where is his name again? From Kansas State, um, Brent is it Brentus or Julius Brents? Yeah, Julius Brents. Uh, I like that kid. Good size, uh, good good size speed combination. Uh, really is good at battling uh, for going up to get the ball. Um, I think he would probably be. Uh, a late second or maybe early third. Um, uh, you know, the uh, we were already uh, talking about him, but uh, the kid from uh, uh, the, the defensive tackle or defensive end from Northwestern, he probably won't be until third round. Uh, I, I do like, uh, I do like that kid. Um, and then, uh, the other one that I was looking at was, um, oh, I do want to shout this out for Chris, and I, I talked about this a little bit before, is I do, Chris totally converted me on Evan Hull. Uh, I, I, I would really like that guy to come play for the Bears. Uh, 88... Most anybody's talked about Northwestern football. I know. We, 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 we got to get, we gotta get a, like a sponsorship now. So, and, and it was funny because, I mean, he was he was one of a handful. I think I probably threw out like a dozen running backs later. And Tom just goes, oh, he just sucks. And I'm like, well, look, look, you know this. He's a kind of interesting thing. Um, you know, that Cameron Peoples out of Appalachian State is kind of a little similar there. And then. One that I thought was fun, and it's like, honestly, and, and I didn't even watch it on Pac-10 after dark, is Zazavian Valaday out of uh, Arizona State. I had never seen this guy play, and then all of a sudden I started watching. Kid is undersized, but shifty. I mean, shifty and fast and really got good hands. You know, he'd be, he, he's an eternal. He, he's, he's mocked, like, I mean, he might be, he might be an undrafted free agent, though. I don't know. I don't know who he is, but if you made it through Herm Edwards' program, then he a lot must have perseverance, if nothing else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, I I would I have to ask about my guy from Minnesota, and that's John Michael Schmitz. Uh, he's somebody that I would love the Bears to take, just because I wanted the Bears to yes. invest in center for like a decade now. Ever since Roberto Garza left, it feels like it's kind of been a revolving door there. And I, I just want a center that can snap the ball. <laughs> it should be that much to ask for. And it, it sounds like at least the plan right now is it's going to be Cody Whitehair, who cannot snap the ball. Um, he just lived through the Sam Mustafer experience as well. So Former Pro Bowl center? 
I just I, I, love, I, I love the idea of John Michael Schmitz. I think that's a, a plug and play guy, Chris. Um, do you? Oh yeah, he would be so great. I mean, I, I, I I'm not quite sure where he goes because it's always hard to say with center. I mean, I, I think he's better than uh, the one uh, you know the Wisconsin kid. Sometimes you see the Wisconsin kid uh, ahead of him in that Ohio State, the Wepler, but. I, I I think I think Schmitz is far and away the best center in this draft. Uh, you know where I'm seeing him, he looks like he's probably, you know, it, it, he's probably going to be kind of in that late first, mid, second round, like to where we're like, oh crap, you yeah. know, we're a couple picks late. That, but he would be someone that I I, I would have no problem with polls, you know, packaging something to move up to take him because. I, I would love to see him. And, you know, you you mentioned that, and that's exactly the player that I was thinking that if he did move up, that's who he would go get. Yeah. Um, he's a Poles guy. You can tell. Yeah. He's a Poles guy. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I'm right with you, Jim. I would love to have that guy come in. I, I just don't know whether we're going to have position to do so. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think there's other centers later in the draft. And there, there's two on the roster already, right? I mean, with white hair and with Patrick, I don't think either of those options are going to excite Bears fans. But it's probably viable to get you through one more year and then maybe uh, try to invest or sign somebody at that position next year. But I I, I always love when Gophers get drafted um the last one to be drafted by the bears did not go well um but i I am still holding out hope that uh we'll hear somebody from the bears go to the podium and announce john michael schmitz so i do too i I was gonna throw uh um tanner morgan out there as mr irrelevant for you (laughs) really I just I just can throw the trigger over Tyson Beckett. (laughs) I mean yeah I I already I, I forgot the two guys names already but i'm going to be on the lookout for fordham and shepherd <laughs> yeah i mean oh, I, I think we might have played each other you know <laughs> is, is, is tanner really getting nfl draft buzz mm, I, you know i think he just got invited to uh one of the i think he was in the he was in the shrine game but he has um tanner has a prototype size though doesn't he yeah, yeah you just can't, uh, you can't throw he's well you know, size, Tell me size. Tanner Morgan, I say Ricky Stanzi. Tell me the difference. Exactly. That's a great comparison, actually. And, you know, so, but that's the thing is sometimes that prototype size and just being a player that played football your whole life can get you there. Uh, and Morgan has a ton of experience. He has prototype size. I mean, nobody's going to come in, expect him to come in and light the world on fire. But if you're using a seventh round pick on him, you know, could he be worse than David Fails? <laughs> well, it's like at that point, like, if you're drafting a quarterback there that can, like, run scout team and can just help with game planning, I mean, that's that's worth something. And I'll say this, another great Minnesota name. If if Chris Streveler is still in the NFL, then Tanner Morgan can hang around because Chris Streveler uh-huh. was one of the worst college quarterbacks I've ever seen when he was at Minnesota. And, he was in a game last year for the Jets, so 
there uh there are other things sometimes that quarterbacks can bring to the table that can keep them around if they're like the fourth one on the roster so i i hadn't heard tanner's name at all connected to any nfl draft or even you know signing but if, if he's getting some pub then i i would be happy for him because it seems like a, a nice guy it's just that he had one really good year in college and never right. was able to, to replace it. So we talked about, uh, you know, DN slash D tackle. Something has to happen there. Uh, <laughs> we'd like to bring in a, a tackle uh, and a center uh, for, the, for, the, for the line. Uh, one position, and then we were also talking about cornerback. But one position that I was thinking about, too, that I think they need to address at some point is they got to bring in another free safety. Uh, I, you know, I think that uh, Jackson last year deserved all the accolades that he got. I think he came back with an unbelievable attitude and he really inspired people playing around him. It really just sucked that he got hurt. Uh, but you know, that's been part of his career, in his college career, in his pro career, and he's getting older, and I don't think, you know, that's not something that gets better with age, so I think you got to look for uh, a free-range guy to go with uh, Jaqu- Jaquan Brisker. You don't like Isaiah Hicks? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, Hicks is, uh, I, think, I think they're going to look at, isn't it Earl Hicks? Oh, is that what it yeah, is? anyway, I think they're going to look at him maybe, uh, well, he's a special teamer, but uh, yeah. I think he he's might be started, one of those guys that could could maybe end up as a nickel. I don't know. I I, I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. It's, it's definitely a position where I don't know how much longer Eddie Jackson's going to hold that down, and free safety is, is another one where that's a really important position. And, and you see, you see the impact that it has on a defense when Jackson wasn't out there. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the, 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 the thing though, that they said that this uh, safety might be the worst position in this draft, you know, that outside yep. of, outside of the one kid from Alabama who probably goes in the first, it's, it's a little light that you're probably going to see some corners with some question, you know, with some, questions you know that that get moved probably to like a free safety in, in, in this thing so i wouldn't be surprised if we see someone kind of day three at a corner that has like oh well he's not good with this or this and he's he makes switch or that's someone that you know we really hit with the undrafted market afterwards one uh one i could see a signing i could see a signing for safeties after the draft you know <laughs> One kid um, I would uh, like us to see if, you know, maybe he's there uh, in probably like five or six uh, is Riley Moss, um, cornerback from Iowa. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he was really, I felt like he was pretty underrated uh, at Iowa. Um, and uh, he did a really good job of, uh, of tracking receivers. Um, he did get beat sometimes by some of your, uh, some of your top flight guys, but uh, 11 picks uh, in the uh, last three seasons um, and uh, three for scores. Uh, so he knows how to get around the ball. Um, I always felt like his uh, his coverage skills were 
were pretty good. Uh, more of a zone player, but uh, you know, I mean, in if you're looking at you know uh, round five, I think he he would be a good pick. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's where you know it, it's. I, I, I think that thing in five is where you kind of start going. Okay, you start looking at floor or ceiling, you know. And he's, I think, I think he's definitely a good floor player. You know that he's he's proved it. He's he was part of you know he was a very good defensive player on 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 a, on a defense that was pretty good. You know. Yeah. For that. So, I, I you know I, I'm I, I I wouldn't be opposed to it for sure. Definitely. So, well, the, and the Bears need guys like that too. I mean, it's, especially at cornerback. Like we talked about the top end guys, but they need depth there. So, if they're spending picks in the secondary on guys that maybe in a perfect world you don't want them starting, but it can at least go in and get you get you through a game or two and not be totally exposed. I mean, they they need that, and so that's why I think. Going back to a question earlier, it's going to be so hard to be mad at any position they draft, really, especially when you get into the later rounds. Right. Okay, uh, one one thing real quick. Um, so I was looking at Chad Reuter's uh, seven-round mock draft. It's maybe a week old. Um, I do read Reuter, even though uh, I only half-ass agree with him. Um, but... Uh, in the, in the later rounds, I wrote down these uh, three names just because I wanted to get your take on them. Tyreek Stevenson, cornerback Miami. Rasheed Rice, wide receiver SMU. Steve Avila, guard TCU. Are you familiar with any of them? Um, so uh, Avila is one that, that that's kind of gaining some steam. Uh, he looks like he could kind of be, like, I think he played guard primarily, but they think he could be a, a, a center. Um, so he's someone I've seen kind of in like that round five area. I definitely would not be, um, opposed to him. I, I like him. Rashid Rice is, is a, I think kind of a bigger wide receiver. Um, had, was, was pretty productive for SMU. Uh, he, he's, um, he's definitely in kind of that, uh, what do you say? Kind of like, he's kind of in that third third range of wide receiver that I know he's, I think he's bigger, but I, if I recall, he's kind of a little more um, stiff, you know, he's just a little bit like he's big and pretty fat, but he's just a little stiff. He doesn't quite have the, 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 the heftiness you want on, on some of the routes. Um, Stevenson, I, I've heard of, but I, I couldn't remember anything really with him though. Okay. I was just curious because he threw those names out there, but sometimes I kind of feel like he's just like writing down names from the screen <laughs> to fill in spots there. Uh, any who's that? Who does he have in the first round, Tom? Um, he had, um, I think he had Skoronsky. Uh No, maybe he had Paris. I, I don't have it in front of me right now, but he had either Skoronsky or Paris. I, I mean, th that's who I'm seeing. Uh, I'm assuming you guys are seeing that primarily too. Um, both of those guys' names seem to be the ones that are orbiting uh, our pick right now. Uh, like I said, you know, we were connected heavily with Jalen Carter, but since we dropped down to nine, it doesn't look like most most people are saying that he will not make it down there. Um, I have seen Bijan Robinson a few times. I like that idea, but I just don't think that they can sacrifice 
uh, the lines uh, to go with that kid, especially when, uh, as Chris was mentioning, there was a lot, there's going to be a lot of running backs available later. Mm-hmm. Any position, uh, Jim, that you don't think uh, we, we, we address at all or. Um, I don't think so. Um, I, I mean, the, the only one we didn't talk about is, is linebacker, but I think, I think the bears are, are pretty set there at least yeah. for this year i mean they were the two big signings mm-hmm. you know they signed a, another the titans guy i can't remember his name and then I mean, they already have a little bit of depth there still when you talk about jack sanborn um and there's a couple other linebackers that were at least getting snaps last year that you could see back so that's one position where i don't really expect the bears to, to do much at all uh in the draft except for maybe if you think maybe you can take a flyer on somebody late that you see as kind of a special teamer but other than that i think we got most of everything do you guys think that we pick at nine no (laughs) i just i just i i I think i just because i think there's there's still a lot of nice i mean there's you know, we talk. We we kind of have an idea of who's going to be gone. Probably by nine, we got a pretty good idea, and you know there. But there, there's there's a lot of guys that I I think are interesting that could be fun. I, you know, we haven't even you know that we didn't probably even get into. You know that that could be fun to kind of have. You know, sure. And what do you think, Jim? I, I, think, I think we do. Um, Holes had uh, earlier in the off season talked about blue players, is what he called them, which are kind of elite prospects that's his term and so blue chippers yeah i think he had said that there were like seven or eight so presumably there will be players quarterbacks picked ahead of the bears that are not blue players on on his board so uh, i think that at nine they're still going to be able to get a, a player that ryan poles considers an elite prospect and I think at some point you need different difference makers on this team. And I, I think that's going to be his opportunity to get one. So I, I actually do think they pick there unless they can like trade down to 10 or something and get yes. a second or a, a early third round pick. Then I, I think you kind of have to do that, but I, I just don't think they're going to get that much for moving down from nine. And, and I think they're going to want to get a player that they think can be a building block. Do you guys wonder if like, he really truly believes seven because he seems like he's a little bit close to the vest until afterwards that the seven was just to kind of get uh carolina to say okay fine we know we know we know it's probably gonna be out the range of who you really have as your top guys so we'll give you dj Moore and, and the extra first or something i thought he said that after the trade i could have that wrong though. i mean you could maybe, be I, you know and I, I, I don't know i think it came out after but i didn't know if he had maybe said that before you know it was just one of those things that you know, he might have said, you know, there's only two when he was really trying to put the heat on Indianapolis or something. Yeah, you you might be right. I don't know. I mean, I I I don't hate the idea of trading down because I need, you know, this team needs as many yeah. draft picks as they can get. So if you can add third or fourth round talents and still get a really good player in the first round, I, I don't hate the idea at all. Um, but at some point, you got to make a pick too. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I my gut. I feel like they're going to stay there, but you know, I, I also wouldn't be shocked. I don't, I, I don't answer that question very confidently. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm with you, Jim. Um, I, I feel like he's going to go. Uh, he's going to pick at nine, but 
uh, he definitely seems like the kind of uh, the kind of GM who will wait until like literally one minute to go on the clock and go, nope, I got a guy who will trade down two picks with me and give me an extra fifth, and I'll still get my guy, and let's go do that right now. So, mm-hmm. if, if you know, uh, with, with what Chris was saying, um, you know, him changing at the literally at the very last second, that wouldn't shock me at all. I just went and looked up who was uh, pick nine the last two drafts. I was just curious. Um, last year it was, uh, a tackle from, um, Mississippi state that went to Seattle the year before that it was that's cross, right? That's the guy. Yeah. Cross. Right. And then, uh, 2021 was, uh, Patrick Sertain the second. Oh, so that's, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. That was a good pick. Um, but, uh, and Frost is good too. I mean, they're, they're going to give a good player. There. Yeah. He's a, I mean, he's a, he, he, he's a, he's huge and he's a, he's going to be a, a starter probably for a long time. So, uh, most, you know, most those, famous bears pick at number nine, Brian Erlacher. So, oh, that's right. That good yeah, one right there. Good. You'll have to use that, uh, come season. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, I that's, uh, I think everyone that plays bears for me, listens to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> If you, if you want, if you want a free Coors Light six months from now, I just gave it out. Remember this. You know who will remember it, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> he he will pull that out. Believe me. Um, I so well. That's uh that's uh for our show for today. Uh, we thank you all for listening once today once again to the Bear Scat, and uh, we thank Chris uh, for being our guest. Yay! Yeah, I just, I just, I just want to say, since I'm going to be forever associated with Tyler Badgett and Evan Hall, I hope that age is better than the uh, Matt Ariazzi. <laughs> uh, I, I, I still flowers uh, before last year. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> still a talented punter, just not a good person. Uh, yeah, there's some extenuating circumstances. God, that, that, was, that was truly shocking. I mean, it was like... How did that kid think that that was not going to come out at some point? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. it was like, wow. Anyway, happy Easter, everyone. Yeah, Bear happy down. Easter. Bear happy down. Day, Chris, this is fun. It was a great time. Thank you.